0: Roughly a third of children in the United States are involved in bullying, either as a bully, a victim, or both. What interventions can be made to prevent or combat this all-too-common part of childhood? And what can physicians do to help families and their children who are affected by bullying? You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Shu, practicing general pediatrician and author. Our guest is Dr. Young Shin Kim, Assistant Professor of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry at the Yale University School of Medicine and expert on bullying. Welcome, Dr. Kim.
1: Hi. Thank you for having me here.
0: Let's start with a basic definition of bullying and how does it differ from kids just being kids?
1: Bullying is a behavior that has three characteristics. First, this is an intentional behavior to cause psychological or physical pains in the victims. Secondly, there is a imbalance of the power between perpetrators or bullies and the victims. So it's not just kids being rough and having some struggles or conflict. But it's more like bigger kids against the smaller kids or larger number of children against the smaller number of children, older children against the younger children. Like these instances, there are imbalance of power. So it's not easy for the victims to stand up against the bullies. And thirdly, this is not just a single instance. It's more happening in a repetitive fashion. So these three characteristics make it different from other kids being kids or being rough or having problems or troubles with other children.
0: Now, how many repeated acts does it take to qualify as bullying? Is two enough?
1: Well, there is not really number specified, but it's more like you know two or three times in a consistent manner that we will see that as a bullying behaviors rather than a just happen once or twice.
0: Now, are rates of bullying really that high, about 30% of all kids in the United States?
1: Yeah, um- Fortunately and sadly, it has been true. So there is a well-known study conducted by the WHO, which is looking at like 20-something countries to see how many children are involved with bullying. So it ranged from 9% in the North European countries to about 50% in other poor European countries. And for the United States, it's 26%. So it varies from
0: 9 to 50
1: percent, but it's between 20 to 30 percent in the United States.
0: And this is also an international problem. You're saying how high is it in some other countries?
1: Yeah, it's universal phenomena. Actually, you can see 9 percent was the lowest we could get from the WHO study, which looked at 25 or four countries um, with the same method, meaning. We asked children if they were involved with bullying, and then look at them how many children endorsed the yes answer, and 9% was in North European country, either Sweden or Norway. By the way, these countries are the ones who identified bullying as a problem, significant problem, not kids just growing up about 30 years ago, and they begin to launch national campaign for anti-bullying programs. And that's one of the reasons why these countries have lowest prevalence of bullying, low as 9%. And some of the countries, like some poor European countries, like Lithuania, it's about 50%. And in Japan and Korea, it's about 30 to 40% reported. So it's a universal phenomena.
0: Is there a difference between boys and girls who are the bullies or are victims of bullies?
1: Well, in the past, people thought bullying is only for boys because we only included the physical type of bullying, like rough or pushing and shoving and physically intimidating other children. At that time, it's mostly related to boys. However, as we begin to understand aggression and aggressive behaviors better, we begin to include relational type of bullying, which is excluding other children from joining social activities, spreading rumors, and isolating these children from social interactions. So that type of relational aggression and bullying, when those were included, the rates for the bullying involvement for girls went up. So right now we think there is not a huge difference in terms of involvement of bullying as a bullies or victims between boys and girls, but there might be some differences in terms of types, what types of bullying kids get involved between boys and girls if there is any difference.
0: You know, for the bullies who put on this tough act, a lot of people will say, well, they're just hiding their feelings of insecurity or low self-esteem. They don't have friends. Is that a true statement? Well, again, it's
1: pretty interesting to see other children's attitude or kind of thinking about the bullies. Some kids adore these aggressive bullies. Some kids completely reject these behaviors. So I guess it depends on some bullies would present those behaviors in a very masked, masculine, or aggressive behaviors. But some bullies do not have those problems at all, like really high self-esteem from a good family background and good academics. And some of those kids become bullies too. Like some of these instances we talked about or we learned in the past couple of months is like the cheerleader physical bullying instance in Florida, and those girls were popular and doing pretty well, but they picked one victim and severely bullied this girl for no reason.
0: Let's talk a little bit about how physicians can find out if their patients may be bullies or victims. We talked a little bit about risk factors for bullying behavior, but are there some red flags that might show that a person is likely to become a target of a bully?
1: Well, that's a very good question. When the pediatricians or family doctors see the kids come to their office and begin to notice that there are lots of somatic complaints that's not really well explained and looks depressive, have sleep problems, and talk less, and there's mood changes, and don't want to go to school, those kind of vague behavioral changes might be a really good indicator for being involved with bullying at school, probably as a victim. Some of the studies indicate that actually the kids who are involved with bullying also be associated with somatic complaints and physical illnesses more often than the kids who are not involved with bullying. So as a rule of thumb, It's pretty safe and wise to ask children when they come to the doctor's office to ask about their school and peer relationships and if there is anything going on, especially for the bullying. And we know that it's pretty common.
0: So would you recommend asking directly to the child, are you a bully or are you a victim of bullying, or do you suggest more of a, get an idea of how happy the child is in school?
1: That might be one way if the kids are uh, intelligent enough to understand what they mean, like bully uh, victims and things like that. But it might be also helpful to ask kind of some specific behaviors. Are there um, some of the mean kids who just leave you out from the play activities? When you ask questions, those children, they just ignore you or they make you carry their backs and humiliate. That kind of more like behavior, description of the behavior might help probably younger children better to tell you if they were involved with those behaviors as a bully or a victim. That might be easier for the younger children. But also, uh, even for older children, some of the people don't think those relational type of bullying behaviors, like excluding others or spreading rumors and that type of thing, is not a typical bullying. So maybe lay out those behaviors for them so they can identify if those behaviors uh, happen to them or they're doing it.
0: Now, if a parent comes to a physician looking for some help uh, to deal with bullying, is there some specific advice or particularly effective interventions that the physician can suggest?
1: For the anti-bullying program that has been effective and successful is something very simple that we do every day. First of all, when those kind of things happen, don't make it a secret. Because when you make it a secret, that kind of somehow conveys to your children that it's your fault. So it's nobody's fault. Mother or father who talk about this, we take it very seriously. And then grown-ups should begin a conversation, talk about this with the teacher, sometimes with the child together. And then when the bullies are identified, we bring them in and their families too. So the adults begin dialogue between them and take them very seriously and try to stop them. And whenever the grown-ups are aware of this kind of thing, especially teachers, they will be more vigilant in identifying those instances. When it happens, they stop it right there and follow through this talk with the victims and bullies, and then talk with the grown-ups. And also, it's very important to have these anti-bullying rules in the class. Like, we're not going to tolerate any bullying behaviors in class at our school. So the roles of bystanders in the classroom, for example, let's say... Bullying is happening, and the kids who are watching this instance is kind of enjoying this and cheering it up. That conveys, that's kind of part of a way to passively participate in bullying, whereas the other kids who are stopping these bullying behaviors and don't accept it, don't tolerate it, and then in an obvious that becomes an intervention right there. So it's not just a matter for the victims or perpetrators. It has to be the whole group activities and action, and especially the role of grown-ups are very important. Many times victims fail to tell the parents or teachers because parents know about it, and then they don't do much about it or do something and that doesn't follow up, follow through. So what happens is the victims get even more trouble because the perpetrators now get mad at the victims and then give harder time for the victims. So they stop and talking about it with adults and don't trust them. And That's a big problem. That has happened a lot. So for, for bullying to stop, we grown-ups have lots of work to do. And also those rules have to be applied to the members of the families, that household too. So the rules have to be consistent throughout.
0: I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Young Shin Kim. We've been discussing the effects of bullying on the bully and their victim. I'm Dr. Jennifer Shu. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. And thank you for listening.
1: This is Dr. Youngshin Kim, Assistant Professor at the Yale School of Medicine in New Haven. You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals.